Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. A flashback moves readers back in time. It interrupts the flow of the story to catch up on what happened before page one. But when writers overuse flashbacks, readers grow impatient. They lose interest in, they even forget what's happening in the now of the story. Yes, we should explore our story's past. But at some point in revision, we need to rein the past in. We need to select and shape only those flashback episodes that are crucial to understanding the story's present. In today's episode of Writer Unleashed, we'll explore four reasons to use flashback with examples on how to make them relevant and resonant. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. When we open a book, we catch characters in the middle of things, but each story has its own history. A flashback moves back in time, catching us up on significant events that happened before page one. Flashbacks are useful. They can fill in essential backstory. They influence the way we experience the forward-moving action of the story and they can illuminate a character's desires and motivations. To get the greatest emotional payoff, each flashback needs two things, relevance and resonance. So here are four reasons to use flashback with examples of flashbacks that have relevance and resonance. Number one, deepen our understanding of your character's present. In his classic novel, Revolutionary Road, Richard Yates brings us back to a particular day in Frank Wheeler's childhood when he accompanied his father to work. And as he steps inside his father's world, young Frank experiences a range of sensations. He feels thrill in the bustle of New York City and the novelty of wearing his first suit and tie. 
he feels, quote, a shiver of wonder as he gazes up at the building where his father works. He feels pleasure in seeing his own dignified reflection in the barbershop window. And then he feels this sense of dread as he rides the elevator that gives, quote, no sense of flight, but only of confinement and nausea. And then he feels repulsion as he eats lunch with his father's overweight boss, whose mouth is, quote, clinging and trembling with spittle. Now, this flashback is significant and relevant because it contains the DNA of the conflicting emotions that plague Frank as the novel presses forward. It dramatizes the evolving struggle between his desire to break free from his job and his impulse to stay. And the real key phrase here is that as he rides the elevator, it gives him no sense of flight, but only of confinement and nausea. So this isn't a flashback that's just giving background information. It's dramatizing his conflicting desires that impact the story's events. Number two, lend later scenes dramatic power. A great flashback can foreshadow. Early in Revolutionary Road, Frank recalls a time his wife had told him about a particular morning at school when, quote, a menstrual flow of unusual suddenness and volume had taken her by surprise in the middle of a class. And he imagines how she must have run from the room with a red stain the size of a maple leaf on the seat of her white linen skirt. Now, this flashback is reflected back to us towards the novel's end when April induces an abortion. And while Yates spares us the gory details of the abortion itself, the earlier image of blood flow of the red stain spreading on her linen skirt resonates in our mindscape. So this flashback has relevance and resonance. And What's interesting, in the movie version, although they skip this flashback, they use it in the scene where April is standing in her living room on the phone with 911 calling for help. Her back is turned to us, and we see the red stain, the size and shape of a maple leaf on the seat of her white linen skirt. So, relevance and resonance. Number three, bear the story's meaning. Most of Saeed Sara Fayadeh's nonfiction story, The Afflicted, takes place in the present as the narrator and his girlfriend wait in the hospital ER for her wounded finger to be sutured. But the emotional movement happens as he confronts his painful childhood. So while he's observing a five-year-old boy who, quote, appears far too comfortable and familiar with being in the emergency waiting room, he leaps years back in time to a day when he was knocked unconscious after falling off his tricycle. And he writes, my father had left home long ago, but my nine-year-old sister was still living with us. And when I came to, she was sitting beside me. So why is this flashback relevant? 
Well, having established the father's absence early on, each visit into the past gathers meaning, bringing us closer and closer to the emotional core. Three three pages later, he gives us this. The Andy Griffith Show is on television now. When I was a child, it came on right before supper time, and I would watch it, imagining that I was Opie, and that Andy was my dad, and that we lived in Mayberry and went fishing together. And then my real-life mother would break this reverie by calling me to dinner, and I would sit down with her at our fatherless table and eat a pathetic meal of frozen peas and carrots and Uncle Ben's rice. I would spread the concoction evenly over my plate and pretend it was a pie. Then I would eat a slice of it and reshape it again, filling in the missing wedge. So the narrator's past attempt to reshape his imaginary pie to fill in the missing wedge reflects the emotional void that haunts him in the present. So the emotional through line of this story is his need to reconcile the deficits of his childhood with the yearning of his adult self. Now, this is illuminated at the story's end when past and present converge. I take my girlfriend's good hand as the doctor prepares to sew. One day, maybe, sometime in the future, if it all works out okay, I will ask my girlfriend to marry me, and I will one day find myself sitting beside her in a hospital room, holding her hand as she prepares to deliver our baby. I will surmount the misery of my childhood and become the father I never had. I will invent it out of thin air. So this flashback is containing, all the flashbacks really contain the emotional core of the story. It bears the story's final meaning. And number four, launch from the present moment by a significant and related incident or image. So the past and present feed off one another. In The Afflicted, it's the wounded little boy in the emergency waiting room, and later, a classic TV sitcom about a father and son. In Revolutionary Road, it's a walk down an empty school corridor after April's failed performance in an amateur play and the hint of their troubled marriage. So ideally, the image or episode in the flashback then launches itself back into the present story, adding drama and weight to the story. So, for example, in Revolutionary Road, after lingering on the school day in April's past, here's how Yates returns us to the present. Her face must have looked almost exactly the way it did now as they opened this other fire exit door and walked out across these other school grounds not many miles from Rye, and her way of walking must have been similar too. Okay, so when a story uses flashback effectively, the past and the present speak to one another. They answer each other's narrative questions and they pose new ones. So think about how your own memory works. 
our mind rarely stays in the present for very long. We actually have to train ourselves to stay in the present moment. So something happens in the present that launches us back into the past. And the impetus could be anything. It could be a song you hear as a car drives by your house. It could be a line you read in a book. It could be something someone says to you. It could be a chance encounter with a neighbor. So here's what I want you to do next. I want you to write about a moment in your life and let your mind wander where it wants to land in the past. See if you can go back and forth between present and past. Trust your instincts here. Become aware of the internal dialogue between your present and your past. Keep these tips in mind. Number one, deepen our understanding of the present. Two, Lend later scenes dramatic power, foreshadow. Number three, bear the story's meaning. And four, launch from the present moment by a significant and related incident or image. Remember, we're going for relevance and resonance. Thanks so very much for tuning in today. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed yet, hop on board. I come to you each week jam-packed with writing techniques and inspiration so you can bring your stories onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. For more resources, visit me at nancypinuccio.com. Keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.